Welcome, sports fans. You have entered the man cave of the one and only Fan Man, broadcasting from his lazy boy recliner somewhere in the Vale of Paradise known as Valparaiso, Indiana. Hey, sports fans, welcome to the Fan Man Podcast. You can catch the Fan Man Podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and most other platforms. In this episode, we are going to talk about the NBA draft, which happened last Thursday night. And um, a lot of interesting things happened that night in the draft. And uh, we'll, we'll go through each draft pick, talk a little bit about them, because uh, we, we are big college basketball fans. And when I say we, I mean myself, the fan man here, and Chad Lincoln. How you doing, Chad? Doing great, Bill. How are you doing? Pretty good. I mean, we re- t- t- today we're going to go reach back just a little bit to the NCAA uh, podcast that we did, huh? A little bit. A little bit. A little bit, right. But not as many college guys. Uh, we had some... We had some interesting uh, picks overseas, and we had some uh, other leagues involved, huh? Yeah, we did. It'd be interesting to see how uh, your thoughts are on some of the picks that were made that were not from traditional places. Right, right. And uh, so we're gonna we're gonna do that. That's this is our draft uh, recap show. And uh, but before we do that, I just want to throw some things out there for everybody who's listening, just to get the mindset, the mind frame on. Uh, What's been going on in, in the NBA for many years? So the Boston Celtics and the and the LA Lakers have combined for 34 of 74 NBA championships, Chad. And really, this league is, is all about the Celtics and the Lakers, isn't it? Pretty much? It pretty much has been for the most part over the years. I mean, those were the two teams for the longest time because they'd have the same players every year or the same coaching staff. It wasn't the revolving door like we see now. Right and uh, and and different eras, right? You had the Magic eras, and you had the for the Lakers. You had, then you had the Kobe era. You had Shaq involved in that, and now you had LeBron back in it. And with the Celtics, kind of the same thing. Kevin Garnett. Then you had you know you had the, of course the Larry Bird years and the Bill Russell, Bob Cousy. So the, these two franchises have been um, really just you know far and above anybody else. And the closest thing I can think of next to them, and it's kind of funny, is the Chicago Bulls with their six titles. Yeah, and that all came, those six titles that came within the same decade. So you right. knew there's, you can see there, maybe a few role players that switched out, but for the most part, it was always Michael, Scotty, John Paxson, you know, maybe a Bill Cartwright or somebody like that that was always there. Right. Each course grant for sure. They had that. They always had that two-headed center, huh? Yeah. Yeah, they switched. Sometimes it was even the center that would have multiple hair colors. <laughs> That's right, right, and of course Dennis Robin, uh, Rodman jumped in the act there too, and uh, a lot of role players, Haji, Paxson, right? So many yeah. different role players they had over the years, and, but the one, the one guy they always had was Michael Jordan, right? Yeah. Yep. Only three teams have ever won three titles in a row. Boston won eight straight NBA championships from 1959 to 1966. Chicago won uh, three two times, and L.A. won three two times. That is something. Yeah. Yeah. You you get the right set of players put together, and you can win multiple titles back-to-back, and it doesn't even have to be a dynasty in the NBA. It's just one of those cases where 
the right players know how to do it. Right. I don't know, though. I don't think the Bulls won three, three, two different times in a row. Yeah, they did. They did? Yeah, it was 91 oh, to that, Okay, that's right. Yeah. And it was 96 to 98. Okay. And then the Lakers and Celtics both have... 17 titles. Both of them have 17 titles, which is amazing. And, of course, the Bulls have six. The Philadelphia-San Francisco-Golden State trio franchise uh, has six. And most most recently, of course, was Steph Curry. And those were some pretty darn good teams, weren't they, with Golden State? Um, for going back to the Philadelphia-San Francisco days, I'm not as familiar because I wasn't there then. Yeah, but, but the team that Steph Curry had recently... He had some good role players to help him out with, with things that he needed. And if he, he was kind of off his game a little bit, there was always somebody to step up. That's right. Always somebody to step up. Draymond Green, uh, Thompson, you know, there was always somebody there. Then we had the San Antonio teams with Popovich, five NBA championships. And Tim Duncan, of course, was the mainstay there. But uh, mm-hmm. Manu Ginobili, Tony Parker, right? Yep. Yeah. And then you have some key role player that would get in there that would help him out. Right, right. And then the Syracuse-Philadelphia franchise has three world championships. And, of course, a great team that I did a podcast on was that 82-83 Philadelphia 76ers team, which I proclaim to be one of the greatest teams of all time with Dr. J, Moses Malone, Bobby Jones, Mo Cheeks, uh, Andrew Tony, and the rest of the crew there. That was a fantastic team. And then, of course, you had the Will Chamberlain teams from Philadelphia. Uh-huh. Right? And then you had Fort Wayne, Detroit, three NBA championships. And, of course, those were the bad boy years, right? Yeah, those were some fun years back in the late 80s. I think it was 88-89 when you had Isaiah Thomas with the microwave, Vinnie Johnson, and Bill Beer. Dennis Rodman was a part of those teams. Um, then you had... Um, the microwave? Did you say Vinnie yep. Johnson? Joe Dumars. I was trying oh, to yeah. think of Joe Dumars in there. Yeah. Right. Just and James Edwards. James Edwards was another tough guy. He even had Mark Aguirre there, too. Yeah. He, being the three-point specialist slash uh, yep. guy didn't have to score all the points like he did to Paul. Yeah. And those were some games, too, when they played the Lakers in that that series because uh, Magic Johnson and Isaiah Thomas were quote-unquote good friends and uh, – you wouldn't notice that they were good friends on the basketball court in that series. They went after each other. Yeah, they, they left their uh, friendship on, in the locker room. Right. But once again, right, you go back to those eras, and these guys really did not like each other during the basketball game. Now, I'm not so sure anymore. Yeah, a lot of the problem that you have with today and some of the ways that things used to be is that these guys hang out too much in the off season. Or other times, even during the season, they, when they get a couple days off, they might be at each other's houses just kicking back watching movies or playing games or whatever the case might be, instead of being away from each other. And with the way that we all have camera phones and the internet's so so populated, you can find LeBron and, and uh, I don't know, Steph Curry or Chris Paul or anybody else. They're all at one of the fancy restaurants having steak dinners together. Yeah. It's like, what? You guys are playing against each other tomorrow night. What are you doing having dinner tonight? Right. Just completely different than we've ever seen, right? And then you had the Miami Heat with three 
uh, world championships, and that was part of the whole forum shopping, pretty much, right? Except the one, well, they won, yeah, well, they had the one with Pat Riley, and then they had the forum shopping. Yeah, once, once LeBron got there, it was basically, okay, what are you going to buy me to win this title? Right, and he's still in the, he's still in the mix now because the Lakers just picked up uh, Russell Westbrook. Mm-hmm. So now it's LeBron James, uh, AD, and Russell Westbrook. And oh, by the way, do you think Chris Paul's going to go there too now to keep it going? It's quite possible. I mean, the Lakers don't do anything they can to win titles anymore. <laughs> right. LeBron's got to have his playmates. Mm-hmm. Right. Houston Rockets have won two. Akeem Olajuwon was the mainstay there, huh? He was tough. And boy, he really uh, outplayed. Patrick Ewing in some of those uh, playoff games there when the Knicks were trying to knock off the Rockets, but the Rockets won the championships and the Knicks did not. The Knicks in that one series came very close. They, they had a, they had a uh, John John Starks three-pointer, and they were up three games to two. It was game six, and John Starks missed a buzzer beater, basically, and if he would have made that, the Knicks would have won the NBA championship. But game seven went back, to the, back and the Rockets won that one with the Keem, and uh, he, he was a great center. Yeah, and those were those, I believe they won both of their titles in the two years the Bulls didn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they on there. Because right. that was when Michael Jordan decided, well, I'm going to go play baseball for a while. Yeah. Yeah, Houston squeaked in there, you know, because of the Bulls and the Celtics weren't up to snuff at that particular uh, couple of years there. So Houston took advantage of that. And then you had the New York Knicks, two championships. Uh, you had the one in 1969-70 with... Um, with Willis Reed and Walt Fraser, and then he had the one in '73, would again with Fraser and Reed, but again, some you know, Errol Monroe was on that that '73 World World Championship team. So those were some great teams. And the Milwaukee Bucks had two: one with Lou Alcindor, and then of course now with Giannis. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people that are going to say, "Wait a minute, Lou Alcindor? Don't you mean Kareem Abdul-Jabbar?" Yeah. No. No, Lou Alcindor. Because he wasn't. Kareem yet. He was still Lou Elsinger back in those days. So That's right. They, they still had a good team in that 1971 season. I believe they were playing in the Mecca at that point, which is now where the University of Milwaukee Panthers oh, okay. yeah. play their games at. It's at the old Mecca. They just call it now the Panther Arena or whatever the case might be. Yep. So it's, this is just more of a college facility now. Yep, and, and a great player on that team with uh, Lou Elsinger was Bobby Dandridge. He was an important guy on that team. Um, so that was a pretty good team there. And uh, so those are some of the teams that have multiple championships. There's a whole slew of teams that have one championship. And there's some teams that don't have any championships. But we're not going to embarrass them tonight, are we? Nah, we don't need to. I think they do it well enough on their own. Yeah, Sac- yeah, Sacramento. You know who we're talking about. So uh, before I... The, town for nothing. Right. So if you're listening, hey, you know, we're going to get to the draft. OK, but before we get to the draft, I thought we'd take a look back. It's always nice to take. It's always nice to look at the past before discussing the future. Do You find that to be a, the case, Chad, sometimes? It does, especially with, with what we're going to be looking at here, because it's like, whoa, that that was them. Yeah, that was then. So what was then? We're going to take a quick look here at the 2011 draft, which was 10 years ago. And we'll see, you know, we'll, we'll talk about that. And we'll see, hey, you know, are these guys that are in this draft, are they going to ever rise to the level of some of these guys, right? So the number one pick back in 2011 was Kyrie Irving for the Cleveland Cavaliers out of Duke, right? He played, didn't have a long, you know, he, he was a freshman at Duke and he got hurt. So his didn't have a huge resume at Duke, 
But of course, he's turned into be a great NBA player and worthy of that number one pick, right? Yeah, he's one of the the more number one picks recently in some of the drafts that really lived up to the level of what the number one should be in terms of how he changes the game or how he changes the teams that he's on to be better than what they were, which is why they have the number one pick in the first place. And so they had a crappy season the year before, and now a couple of years down the road, he's developed himself into being one of the top guys that they can use to develop into playoff teams or win some championships. And he's since moved on from Cleveland, but he's doing the things that were expected of him in his career. Right. Hard to believe he's been in the league for 10 years. Time flies, huh? I know. Yeah. Well, some of the- on this list. Right. Third pick in the draft went to Utah, Enos Cantor. Don't sleep on Enos Cantor, really, right? I mean, he's been in the league now 10 years, and he's he's a productive guy. Now, I don't know if he's worthy of a third pick, but he, he he's somewhat of, of a productive NBA player. Yeah, he, he fits a role that some NBA teams really definitely needed in terms of he's big on the inside, and he can just do the things that he needs to do to help open up somebody else around the perimeter or anywhere else to get open. They can just hand them the ball. He'll be able to know where they're at. Right, right. And then we let's go down to number nine. And this was a miss for a lot of teams here. Um, and we're talking about Kemba Walker. was the ninth pick going into Charlotte. Um, well, just the Bobcats. Yeah, the Bobcats from UConn. Kemba Walker's had a solid NBA career. And uh, picked right above him was Brandon Knight of Kentucky. But Kemba Walker at nine has been a solid player for 10 years in the NBA. Yeah, he, he was one of those that wasn't very well used at UConn, except for certain clutch points. But he got to the NBA, and it became his playground to be able to do the things he's done throughout his career. And he, he's been fun to watch. Right, been fun to watch. At number 11, another pretty so, good solid pick here, Clay Thompson from Washington State for Golden State. And he's been, you know, he's was critical in those uh, championships for Golden State. Yeah, if there was a situation where you couldn't get the ball to Steph Curry, it was like, Clay, Clay Thompson's open, get it to him, we'll be fine. Right. And he made sure that his role was filled. Right. Another pick at 14 from Houston, Marcus Morris from Kansas. And his brother was his twin brother was picked right ahead of him, but Marcus Morris... Pretty good NBA career, 10 years out of Kansas. And um, this guy, you know, he's solid. He gets, he can rebound and he can shoot a little bit too. Mm-hmm. That was one of the big things that when he was at Kansas, he was known for was his shooting ability. And his brother was more the the guy that would be behind the scenes doing more of the rebounding stuff to help get Marcus the shots. Right, right. And drum roll here on number 15. And it's kind of funny where he was picked, so he, you know, I don't know, I guess he's overachieved. We're talking about Kawhi Leonard was the 15th pick in the 2011 draft from Indi- from, from uh, the Indiana Pacers, playing, of course, in college for San Diego State, the Aztecs. But, uh, guys, <laughs> one of the best players in the league, right? Yeah, he really came on later in his career, or later in that 10 years, especially when he was on yeah. some championship-quality teams. Pers- and especially when you're coming from a program like San Diego State, which in the Mountain West, very good program, always kind of dominates things. And Steve Fisher always had those teams ready to play in big games. So that's how one of the things that helped Kawhi Leonard especially was his ability to be ready for big games because he just was prepared that way. Yep, yep. Number 16, another good pick here at 16 for Philadelphia, Nikolai Vucevic 
from USC. He's now a bull, right? Yeah, he is. It's been quite a bit of a, a bounce around for him and his career because of the fact that he's more of a role guy than he is just the star of the team that you, you just kind of leave him be and he'll be fine. Yeah, but a pretty solid uh, pick for where he was taken. Yeah, I mean... It's just that Philadelphia didn't hang on to him. <laughs> yeah, and part of that was probably just because they felt they needed to build around some other people and Vucevic was not it. Right. But the picks we talked about were just on the cusp of the lottery picks, that those first 13 picks that were the teams that didn't make the playoffs. Yep. So they were, yep. they were picked right in the spots where they probably should have been based on what those teams could develop them into. Yep. Number 19, the Char- Charlotte Bobcats, to- Tobias Harris from Tennessee. And again, another good, you know, another good player. I didn't see him too much, especially when he was at Tennessee, because mm-hmm. a lot of times up, up my way, unless yeah. Tennessee had a team, they probably weren't going to get covered. Right. The SEC wasn't there yet. So a lot of times, unless for some reason, I think Rick Barnes was there at that time, um, they were playing really well. They probably weren't going to be on ESPN or on TV around where I'm at. Right. That's right. Um couple more guys here we'll keep going but a role player and at at pick number 22 not so bad denver uh kenneth farid from moorhead state right played eight years in the nba and pretty solid all-around guy um good rebounder and uh you know he's not going to hit a three-pointer for you but around the basket he was always good he was a tough player yeah he was one of those that especially going to a a school like moorhead state he's going to be one that his, his role is to be around the basket. He was not going to be away from the basket because of the fact that the offense is not meant for the big guy to be out on the perimeter like it is today. Right, right. Then you had Nikolai Miritich drafted by Houston at pick 23. And I do believe he ended up being in a trade with the, the Bulls, Bulls at right. one point and sat out in uh, one of the foreign leagues for a while before he got up here. Yeah, yeah. But it's he, one of the things that I kind of always was sketchy about with picking some of the foreign players is because of what their contract was there. Granted, yeah. they get picked up by the NBA, but they still may have to wait a couple of years to be able to be released from that contract. Yeah, yep. So you may you may get the player when they don't have as much value as you thought they were going to have because their prime years might have been used up in the foreign league they were in. Yep. And then let's finish this off with pick number 30 in the NBA draft from the Chicago Bulls. Jimmy Butler was taken 30th out of Marquette. I think he was a teammate with uh, Dwayne Wade at Marquette, and everybody looked at him like, he's probably part of the reason why Marquette had such strong teams. It wasn't just Dwayne Wade, but Jimmy Butler did some strong things too. And then he got to Chicago, and he wasn't always on Tom Thibodeau's best list. Right. Right. And then it ends up playing for Thibodeau later on when he gets sent to Minnesota. Yep. And then like any draft, there was some busts. You had a number two pick in the draft from Minnesota was Derek Williams from Arizona in college. Didn't do anything, really. Yeah. He, he was one of those that I think Minnesota just picked him because he needed to be. But this guy might be the, the one that there was just nothing around him to help make him strong enough to be a good pick. Right. Number six, another bust from the Washington, um, from Washington Wizards. Yeah. Jan Vesley. 
Yeah, Jan Vesely was one of those. Oh, that, Gian, yeah. okay. You got it. Yeah, they came from one of the foreign countries. Yeah. And I think when he came in, he was just... The video didn't really prove what they thought. And they just kind of picked him on a whim. So. Right. And right after that pick was Sacramento's pick of Bismack, Bismack Biombo. Yeah, one of those names that I, I think David Stern was like... What name did I really just say? <laughs> Bismack Biombo. I yeah, got it, I mean, yeah. This is one of those that probably would have made Adam Silver smirk when he had to say it. But it was just one of those guys that it's like, great that he was tall, that he might have had a body, but he was just underdeveloped. Right. And then good old Jimmer Fredette, drafted number 10 by uh, by Milwaukee out of BYU. I think this, this guy is still falling in Utah on this one because <laughs> all you ever saw him do in college was shoot threes and be able to do it without a problem because the conference at BYU was in then everybody else didn't know how to defend him or just weren't fast enough to defend him he got to the NBA and it just was not his league he couldn't shoot as freely or as easily as he did at BYU right and you know what when I saw Jim Jimmer Fredette pick number 10 in the 2011 draft I started thinking about Corey Kispert. Yeah, I can agree with that. Is he going to be the new Jimmer Fredette? That's or, possible. Yeah, well, well, we'll talk about that. So I think we're ready. I think we're ready to go, Chad, for uh, for our picks here, the, the uh, NBA draft. Right? We're going to go right down from one I, all the way down. to. Uh, I, you want to make a quick note, though, on Enos Kanner? Yeah. Um. He was one of those that he was kind of a tweener. He was initially supposed to go to Kentucky and play for Calipari, but there were some issues with his grades or some kind of transcripts or something from the country he was coming from that the NCAA was like, well, we can't really put him in because we just don't know. So that was one of those probably would have been one and done types for Calipari at Kentucky. So he just sat out the college season and went to the NBA. So yeah, interesting. Yeah, that, that was one of those notes that I was like, I thought he was Kentucky. Oh wait, no, he he was supposed to be, but never officially was. Right. All right, so we're gonna go to the first pick in the in the first round. We're gonna cover the first round, and there's a few guys we'll talk about that were picked in the second round. So we won't go through all the second round, but there's a couple interesting picks. So the first pick was the Detroit Pistons last year, uh, this last basketball season. Detroit was 20-52. and 52. Their last playoff appearance was in 2018, the 2019 season where they lost in, in the Eastern Conference first round. So with the number one pick, the Detroit Pistons selected Cade Cunningham, Oklahoma State. Chad, huh? What do you think about Cade Cunningham? He was exciting to watch in Oklahoma State, especially when Big 12 basketball was not as powerful as it normally is. I mean, Kentucky, or not Kentucky, but Kansas was having an off year. Texas was getting back up there. They were kind of playing shock and smart basketball, but not quite there yet. Um, and the Big 12 in general was just kind of an iffy one there. It's like they right. really needed fans there for some of those teams. Because they built up the energy of the fan base, and with them not being there, kind of hurt the Big 12 big time last season. Right. They're saying that, you know, he's a versatile guy. He can play on the ball. He can play off the ball. He can shoot three-pointers, but he's also got a good mid-range jumper. 
and he can go to the rim. Um, you know, last year, 20 points a game, six rebounds, three, three and a half assists, 1.6 steals by shooting, 40% on threes. They say he's a vocal leader and relinquishes the big moment, or relishes, I should say, the big moment in close games. I didn't love what he did. You know, I wasn't, I can't say I was that impressed, though, in this performance in the NCAA tournament. Yeah, that was a, a game where he kind of disappeared, and it was disappointing because you wanted to be able to say that Oklahoma State had, like, the next big thing, but it's like he kind of got shaded behind something in that game that I don't know if it was just the fact that it was playing in Indiana and there were no fans there still, or if it was anything in particular that he just, the bubble might have done something to him. I don't know. Yeah. I think one question mark, though, on on him, and, and we'll see what happens, is I don't know if he's the kind of guy that's going to make other players on his team better. You know, I, I think, don't know really the expectation of him in Oklahoma State. I mean, we're used to Oklahoma State having a couple of big guys in the middle that can do a lot of things, not so much a, a shooting guard or a point guard that can do anything on the outside besides get the ball around. Yeah. So Cunningham is the third Big 12 player to be selected number one overall. We had Andrew Wiggins, 2014, and Blake Griffith in 2009. So that's uh, somewhat of a decent I mean, Blake Griffith's had a better career, I think, than Wiggins. But um, I think he's going to be solid in today's NBA, though, right? He could be, for sure. I mean, there's opportunities that are opening up all over where a 6'8 guard can do a lot more, especially when you're in a, more of a positionless game than what you used to be. Right. Okay, so the number two pick is the Houston Rockets. They were 17-55 and 55 last, last season here, and their last playoff appearance was the 19-2020 uh, season. They lost the Western Conference Finals, um, Houston. Of course, that's James Harden who can never win anything, huh? Well, because James Harden thinks he's the only thing on the team. Right, right, right. So. All right, Chad, so who did the Houston Rockets select? They went with an interesting pick, in my opinion, and went with somebody who didn't go to college at all in Jalen Green. He was from the N- NBA G League, or the Gatorade League, as they call it, <laughs> and played for a team called the G League Ignite, which Ignite. we'll hear a lot more players later on as we go, but it seemed like that team was put together for those NBA players that, well, I shouldn't say NBA players, but those high school players that they could have gone to college but chose not to because the way the rules are is they have to be one year out of high school. So it's like, well, the G League isn't exactly the NBA, so can I try going there? And they said, okay, we'll give it a try. They put together a team called it the G League Ignite, basically a team owned by the NBA that, um, would play the other NBA yeah, minor leaguers, so to speak, and not. Uh, so from this one, the uh, the Houston Rockets picked Jalen Green, who believes playing against G League players in an NBA environment will prepare him significantly for the NBA. I'm thinking probably not, though, because a lot of NBA, those guys, yeah. they they had a year or so in the NBA, and they just didn't pan out, but they're still yeah. strong enough to want to play. So they can help with the physicality and aggressiveness. They're just not quite the NBA talent they thought they were. And hopefully, as as the note here says, 
that he'll uh, improve his consistency as a shooter and ball handler because now he's around some people that will actually put some pressure on him to be better compared to what he had at the G League level where it's like they're all just basically um, yeah. semi-type guys. Right, right. Yep. Well, I mean, you know, of course, he plays in the G League, doesn't attend college, and that's anymore, I, you know. I'm not so worried about that. But you, you see the number two pick. They talk about him being physical. He's being aggressive, but you know, but needs to improve as a shooter, and that concerns me when you're picking a guy number two. I mean, I like you know a number two pick should be a guy, in my opinion, that could put the ball in the basket. That would definitely make sense. But I think the way that today's NBA is compared to how it was when you were growing up or when I was growing up, not everybody that's coming in is a definitive starter, as the yeah. as the top five picks should be. They should be a, a, a starter from day one and play all 82 games without question. But the way some of these players are, it's like you're taking that risk on the money side of it more than you are on the, the ability side because with the rookie salary cap as well, nobody's making more than the other in the first round. For the most part, it's it's guaranteed at least $3 million a year. So you could pick an undersized guy number two and it's not going to be any different than picking a, a seven-footer number four or number five that needs a couple of years maybe at the G League to just kind of get his body in the yeah. check. Yep. Yep. Jalen Green is just the seventh player selected by the Rockets with, with a top two pick in their draft history. Five of the previous six went on to be inducted into the Hall of Fame. And listen to this, right? 2002, you had Yao Ming, 1984. Hakeem Olajuwon, 1983, Ralph Sampson. Um, so far, you know, and then he had 1976, John Lucas, 1970, Rudy Tomjanovich, and 1968, Elvin Hayes. So he's in a pretty good, a pretty good class there, Jalen Green. He's got to keep that going. Yeah, he's he's definitely got a lot to look a lot to look up to. But I think being that he's what 19, 20 years old, he's yeah. got the ability to get there. Yep. And- I have plenty of time to be able to do it. I don't think the Rockets are going to be impatient with him. They're going to give him that space to be able to, to learn and get up to that level of what their expectations are for him. Yep. All right, so let's go to the number three pick. And the number three pick uh, was the Cleveland Cavaliers last uh, season, 22-50, and 50, last playoff appearance, 2017-18, and lost the NBA Finals. But... You know, with the three pick, and this is kind of funny. I know me and you are going to lo- love talking about this guy because we kept talking about him all during the NCAA tournament. Some good things, some bad things necessarily. Where I know we're a little weird, a little leery of a few things with him, but we're talking about the number three pick, the uh, Evan Mobley um, from S- Southern California, USC, right? Seven foot, yep, seven footer who can play in the post with a soft touch at the rim and, and step outside and shoot a three. Now that's what the scouts are saying. He can step outside and shoot a three. I'm not so convinced of that. Are you? I'm not real convinced either, but I, I really think that a seven footer should not be 22 feet away from the basket taking a shot. 15 feet I'm okay with, but 22 is a bit far. Because especially if he misses it, if, he has, if he's supposed to be the chief rebounder on that, and he's 22 feet away just coming down when the ball is going three feet to the right of the, the rim and he's on the left side, he's never going to get there to get the ball. Right. Then what do you do? Yeah. And the play all torn apart. Yeah. 
In his one season at USC, averaged 16 points a game, 8.7 rebounds, and 2.9 blocks, and shot 57% uh, from the field and played with his brother there. And his brother was a big help to him. And, you know, I'm, I'm sure that gave him some comfort there. But his brother's not going to be with him in the NBA. No, I, and even as he said, it was nice to have his brother there during the COVID year because a lot of times, especially in some of the bigger programs, with the bubble-type system they didn't invoke, is basically all these kids would be in the same dorm, but they'd be in rooms that are separated and they'd be alone. So it's like they didn't really have too much opportunity for being able to uh, talk with people or anything. Right. So they they kind of be alone with their books and maybe Zooming or Skyping or whatever their teammate down the hall. Yeah. Mobley went uh, won the Pac-12 Player of the Year, Freshman of the Year, and Defensive Player of the Year last season. And he was the first to win all three in the same season. And, you know, he did everything, you know, in the Pac-10, or Pac-12, I should say, right? Pac-12. But at the same time, you know, I, I sit and watch him, and I'm like, boy, if, it, if, if there was ever a guy that could have, could benefit from playing, and I know this is so stupid to say it anymore, that could have played another year or two in college, I think it would be this guy. I'd have to agree with that. I mean, especially in the Pac-12, you can, you have that possibility of being able to grow there. And if he'd have had another year or two that he would have stayed there, he could have been the top guy in the conference each of those years, especially when some of the teams, they have bits and pieces that they can put together. But in the long run, they don't have anything that can last long for two, three years together. Yeah, and, and you know, I said the same thing about Laurie Markkinen when he was at Arizona State. I thought that was another guy that could have stayed another year. Yeah, he's kind of proven that too, especially now that he's with the Bulls and they it's basically whatever Zach Levine says. Yeah. Go. Yep. All right, so we're going to go to the fourth pick. and that Anything else on Mobley? I don't really have anything, but like you said in your note here, it'll be interesting yeah. to see how he's used if uh, Jared Allen or he signs with the Cavs. Yeah, yeah, right. I mean, that could be a, a huge uh, plus on the inside, having two tall guys with bodies in that level. Right. Are you okay with the first three picks? Do you think those first three picks we, we've talked about are, are somewhat in the ballpark? I'm honestly okay with them because I think Detroit really needed to make a big splash. They haven't really done anything impressive, yeah. and especially with having Little Caesars Arena, they need to fill the place somehow. And I think having a, a guy like Kate Cunningham who can shoot the ball yeah. will help them out quite a bit. Right, right. Yep. All right, so let's go to number four, and we're talking about the Toronto Raptor. 27-45 of 45, uh, last season. Last playoff appearance was in the 1920 season where they lost the Eastern Conference semifinals, uh, Toronto, right? So with the fourth pick, the Toronto Raptors select Scotty Barnes, Florida State, and maybe this is where the first surprise happened here. Chad, what do you, what do you want to say about, about our Mr. Scotty Barnes? Let me just say this. Is he the second best Scotty to play in the NBA? I'm going to say the jury's out on that one because I don't really know where he's <laughs> going to be on this team right now. Yeah, I mean, he's kind of that stepping stone to kind of be something that, um, from I think it was Ram Ramona Shelburne said in her coverage on, on uh, ESPN Radio 
that they were trying to find that piece that could work well with Pit, with Pascal Siakam, um, and then Fred VanVleet. There was one other that I forget which name she was saying on that one, but uh, it was a case of just they needed a piece to work with that, and they didn't want it to be somebody too big name that it was going to take away from what Nick Nurse was trying to do with that team. So if they had gone with the with the person that went next in line or somebody else with a bigger name, it might have impacted what they tried to, were trying to do in the next couple of years. Yeah, yeah. So Barnes, what concerned me a little bit is that Barnes averaged 10 points a game and shot 27% uh, percent from the three-point range, but that's not his game, right? This guy's a versatile defender. They say he's a playmaker, you know, and uh, excels on basically all areas of his game other than scoring. Yeah, I, I think he's going to be more the type, especially with that team when you've got Siakam and Van Vliet and other scorers, that mm-hmm. he's going to be the guy that they're looking for to get the rebounds. Yeah. To be on the side looking, looking to keep the ball on the offensive side of the court. Right. At Florida State, he was one of four ACC freshmen in the last 15 seasons to average at least 10 points a game, four rebounds a game, four assists per game, joining Cole Anthony, R.J. Barrett, and Dennis Smith Jr. So... There he is, Scotty Barnes at number four. All right, so now we'll move to number five. The Orlando uh, Magic had the pick. They were 21-51 and 55, 51 last season. Last playoff appearance was in 2020 season and lost the Eastern Conference first round. And this pick for Orlando, I think, was sort of a no-brainer here, and they selected Jalen Suggs from Gonzaga. What do you think? Yeah, they needed something, and Suggs was probably one of the better shooters in the early part of the round. Yeah. That they could, and especially somebody who could also bring the ball down court, which they haven't had a ball handler in a long time, probably since the days of like Dennis Scott and Nick Anderson being on that team. Right. They had, they had a ball handler. Right. And this is a guy you really can't judge him by his numbers at, at Gonzaga, even though they weren't that bad at all. He averaged 14 points, five rebounds, four assists, nearly two steals and shot 50% from the field last season. But the guy is athletic. He's a football player, right? Basically. Yeah. He's a, he's a point guard football player. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And uh, of course he's known for that fantastic shot. He hit against us uh, UCLA in the tournament. huh? Yeah. That, that was a shot that's going to live almost longer than say the Christian Lee or the Bryce Drew shot. Yeah. It, 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 took them further into the tournament than what the uh, Bryce Drew shot did for Valpo or what the, the Christian Leitner shot really did for Duke at that time. So Yep. And um, just, what a game that was, too, against UCLA. UCLA did everything in their power to win that game, but they couldn't hold on. Yeah. They, they had every player possible doing everything that was within their role, and they just shut down, or you know, I shouldn't say they shut down, but they just kind of fell flat yeah. at the time needed most. couple bad and, possessions at the end hurt him. Yeah, and part of that was Jalen Suggs just saying, I got to take the game under my control. Right. And that's what Orlando's going to see with this guy, is, as a, especially as a point guard. When he needs to take the game into his control, he'll do it. And especially in a league where most point guards under the traditional sense might be too scared and would be more willing to, to throw it to the shooting guard or the the strong forward that would be more the, the shooting type than what they are. Right. Yep. Let's move to number six. 
the number six pick was the Oklahoma City Thunder. They were 22-50 and 50 last season. Last playoff appearance was the 1920 season where they lost to Western Conference first round. And I already have the greatest. I wonder if anybody thought of this yet. I'm sure somebody did. But if they haven't, I got this coined. I should patent it. This guy's nickname is going to be the Thunder Down Under. Josh Giddy out of Australia. Isn't that the perfect nickname? It's possible, but th- then you have problems with Thunder Dan Marley because I think they try to call <laughs> Thunder from Down Under. Yeah, oh, that's right. Maybe, maybe, well, maybe uh, we'll get they'll get sued by Dan Marley, right? <laughs> well, Dan Marley's going to need money since he's not coaching anywhere anymore. Yeah, I thought this was a pretty good pick for for Oklahoma City. Why, you know, just change the paradigm a little bit, right? What do you think? Yeah, they they definitely needed something that was not as well known name wise compared to what they've been getting in, in previous years with guys like Russell Westbrook and uh, some of the others that they've, they've drafted over the years. It's just they needed to go away from the norm. Yeah, and they did. This guy's 6'8". He's 205 pounds. He's, he's played professionally in Australia at the age of 18. And, you know, you watch the highlights of him. You can see what the scouts are saying. He's got vision. He's got passing. He's got play making ability. I guess the question is, who's he going to guard in the NBA, though, huh? with that body he's got? Yeah, I mean, that's the same kind of question that they had for a certain player that we'll talk about later on. Yeah. That, uh, defense was kind of a question mark at his point as yeah. to how he get drafted. Right. But he should bring, he should bring you know, it's, it's going to be an interesting guy to look at here. I mean, especially if he starts shooting long range from long range, if he can do that. Yeah. I mean, they're kind of making it sound like this Josh Giddy is going to be like the second coming of Magic Johnson when he first came into the league, where he could play all five positions anytime on the court. Yeah, yeah. It's with his vision, his passing, and playmaking, who knows? He could be the six-eight point guard at certain points, and then he could be a strong forward or a power forward or a, a shooting guard. Who knows? Right. That's right. All right, we'll keep it going. We go to number seven, Golden State Warriors. They were thirty-nine and thirty-three last year. Last playoff appearance was the 18-19 season. Lost the NBA Finals, Golden State, that year. And uh, with the seventh pick, Jonathan Kaminga, G League Ignite, huh? Yeah, he was another one of those that can't, that did the, didn't go to college, but yep. went through the league to get his name known. Right, right. This guy's 6'8", and another guy that really isn't, you know, a fantastic shooter. But he's a rebounder. He's always around the rim. But, the, again, this is in the G League. Yeah, I mean, this is basically a guy that's playing a specific spot. And that's all he's supposed to do compared to what the NBA has become, where it's like you are you might be 6'8", but you could be bringing the ball down court. You could be playing under the rim. You could be 15 feet away from the basket or on the perimeter. Who knows? Yeah. But the other, the other thing that I kind of wonder with him is how, how many years has he been playing basketball because he was born in the Democratic Republic of the Congo, yeah. which basically could mean that growing up until about the age of 12 or so, he was playing soccer or some other sport because basketball was not really something big in that in that country or in that area. So much like Tim Duncan when he was born in Jamaica, didn't touch a basketball until he was like 12 or 13, played soccer for a long time. And then when he finally touched a basketball, somebody saw him and was like, this guy could be something. Yeah. And brought the U.S. to play. Yeah. 
But one thing, one thing that concerns me about Kaminga is that he shot under 40% from the field, 25, under 25% from three, and under 65% from the foul line in the G League, right? So this is a guy that you really can't have on the floor the last five minutes of an NBA basketball game. Very true, but it's also the type of guy that's got potential to get better. And the thing that I do wonder, because I'm not as familiar with how the G League handles this kind of thing, is would a, a Jalen Green or a uh, Jonathan Kaminga be able to stay in the, J League, or in the G League for a little while until they get ready to be able to come up to the NBA level? You know, be able yeah. to use a couple more years down in the minor league system, so to speak, developing their game and getting to the point where they could be at the NBA full-time. Right. Because both of those guys could possibly use that that's especially, a good point. Yeah, like, they could use it, especially if their teams aren't going anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. They don't right. want to see them bounce back and forth so much, kind of like what we saw with some of the second rounders in the past. Like in my case, having been a Valpo grad, when Alec Peters was drafted by Phoenix, they kind of bounced him up and up and down, and it kind of I thought affected his performance and his ability. And yep. that's why he didn't stay in the NBA very long. Yeah, that's right. So with Jonathan Kaminga and Jalen Reed getting drafted within the first seven picks, it's the first time the G League has had multiple players drafted in the first round. So this is a this is going to be a theme we, we're going to keep seeing, I think, in the future drafts here. Don't you think, Chad? I honestly do think that's going to be the, the stronger thing that's going to happen. I mean, this is this is coming off the lines of the, N, the NCAA allowing players to make money off their likeness and their image yeah. from being in video games or on trading cards or whatever the case might be. We may now see that all these players that are getting drafted by the G League, some of those high school kids that they're on this cusp of college, but for some reason they're having to have their numbers fixed a little bit to get in, saying, to heck with it, I'm just going to go to the G League and yep. play their money and be able to go to the NBA from there. Right. Right, and maybe it'll maybe it'll make the college game better, more competitive, more competitive, maybe. That's quite the possibility because it's like how many of the G League teams are going to want to take that risk of bringing in somebody who's eighteen years old, still really raw, and say, "Okay, come play in our league," where they can go over to say the the foreign leagues and get some real look at what their ability is supposed to be instead of just somebody on an AAU circuit saying. You know, you look like you could score 27 points in the NBA tomorrow. But that's just some guy trying to, like, get in, into your uh, head about how you can really play. Right. That's right. All right, so let's go to the number eighth pick, and that goes to the Orlando Magic, and they're back at it again, huh? And mm-hmm. they selected a guy that we all are pretty familiar with since we watch college basketball. We're talking about Franz Wagner from Michigan, right? Yeah, this this guy was one of those that you always heard him be talked about because he's just a big body that could do a lot of good things, especially in the John Beeline system at Michigan. What right. became the Jawan Howard system? Yeah, and I think you know, I mean, he's got a shot with Orlando. I mean, pretty a pretty good situation here with Suggs getting Suggs and then getting Wagner, huh? Yeah, and then with Wagner also having that ability to play with his brother, that's yeah. Right there, that Orlando can grow and build around. Right. And when you're a big guy and you can knock down some trays, that that's good. That's going to keep you in the league. Yeah, and he was more well-rounded as a player 
based on the fact that he averaged 12 and a half points a game, six and a half rebounds, and he also had some assists. Yeah, yeah. I mean, not many tall players like that at the college level were averaging about three assists per game. Yeah, that's right. So I think there's a definite upside there for Franz Wagner from Michigan, and uh, I think he's going to be okay for. I think he's going to be okay for Orlando. I think they they hit two for two in the draft. Yeah, especially yeah. two for two in the lottery. Right. Higher draft. We're talking the lottery. That's right. So let's go to number nine, um, Sacramento Kings. They were thirty-one and forty-one last year. Last. Uh, Last playoff appearance was 2005-2006 season. And uh, they lost the Western Conference uh, first-round game back then with the likes of Mike, Mike Bibby, and Meta World Peace. It's been a long time. Yeah, it has. I mean, when you're talking Mike Bibby, who was a strong point guard in Arizona out of college, and then Meta World Peace also ran our test. Right. had to change because everybody knew, oh yeah, Ron Artest was the guy who beat the crap out of somebody in Detroit. Yeah. No, and you can't... don't want that sitting around uh, Sac- Sacramento and <laughs> right and their name. Yeah, Meta World Peace who went in the stand. He went up in the st- he went up in the stands, right? Yeah, and, yeah. After somebody threw a drink on him. Right, right. That was a melee, and I think they're doing. I don't know if it's a thirty thirty. I think somebody's doing a, a documentary on that game. I wouldn't be too surprised if they aren't going to do something about it, even if it's just an ESPN film. Yeah. If you've never seen it, check it out. Indiana Pacers, right? Yeah. Detroit Pistons. At what? The, that's at... at uh, that was at the old Palace of Auburn Hills. Yeah. What a, what a melee that was. Anyway, yeah. so let's get, to, let's get to the pick here. Sacramento Kings. And here's another guy that I just loved watching in the NCAA tournament. And it seemed like... The guy just kept getting better and better each game. Not not just the NCAA tournament, but the whole season. This guy just kept getting better and better. And man, this is he's a favorite. He's my favorite guy in this whole draft. Now, I can't tell you he's going to be a star in the NBA. I hope he is. I think he can be. But just in terms of watching him in the NCAA tournament, it was amazing. I'm talking about Dave, uh, Davion Mitchell from Baylor. And how how tough is this guy on the ball? You. Yeah definitely had to uh, be on your toes whenever he had the ball because you just didn't know if he was going to be throwing it or if he was going to be shooting or what he was going to be doing. You always had to be strong on your defense with this guy. Otherwise, you were not going to be in the game much longer because the coach is going to be like, you can't defend him. I can't have you on on the court, especially late in the game if he was going to be controlling the ball that much. Right. You know, when I was watching Drew Holiday play defense in the NBA Finals, and I start thinking about this guy. You know what he could do. Yeah, I mean, it was just one of those opportunities that he's the type of guy that you don't pass up if you have the opportunity because right. it really changes the game for you. Right, and you know, and and defense never takes a, a game off, right? And if this guy could continue his hot three point shooting now, earlier when he was at Auburn, he wasn't a great three point shooter, but he was hitting those threes, and maybe he got so much confidence from some of the other players who were hitting the threes for Baylor. But this guy, when he starts hitting the three and he starts playing defense the way he is, and he's also a very capable passer, and he's really good off, he's got a great first step. So really, if the shot is sinking for this guy, he can basically do everything. Yeah, I mean, 
when he was at Auburn, he was expected to be the the organization there, and Bruce Pearl just could not get into him enough that he yeah. needed to settle down and play his game instead of trying to play this game that everybody expected him to be able to play. And then when he got to uh, Baylor, he didn't have to be the only guy on the team to be able to do everything. They right. had enough weapons on that team that Scott Drew built them for that purpose. Right, and you're talking about speed uh, at the guard position. They got Darren Fox, and now they got Mitchell. Mm-hmm. They're gonna they're gonna have some good fast break ability with that team. Yeah. Yep. Okay, so let's go to number ten, and that's the Memphis uh, Grizzlies. And they got this pick from the New Orleans Pelicans, right? Yeah. Yep. And yeah. Uh, Memphis thirty-eight and thirty-four last season, lost Western Conference Finals first round this past season and they went with Zaire Williams out of Stanford. This was that first shocking pick of the draft that everybody's yeah. like, what? They took that guy? Yeah. Because it's just like we don't know either don't know enough about him or he was one of those that it's like maybe he went too soon. Right. And but with it being Memphis, it's like maybe it was it was their best fit for the sake that it's Memphis and not because of the fact that they've had a previous history of playoff ability and such things, but just the fact that how many people really want to go to Memphis. Yeah, really. Right. Yeah. I mean, they, they say he's going to compliment um, the other big guy they got there from Duke Williams, the other Z, but then they, but they're getting yeah. the, No, that's right. He's on Memphis. That's right. They traded yeah. him to Memphis. Um, yeah, yeah. I think Memphis got the pick when they had some kind of a deal a couple of years before that. Yeah, with New Orleans. Yep. It, a lot of times in the NBA, they'll be trading draft picks a couple of years ahead of time, so it's like you'll look and go, "Oh, they they picked this way." The oh, else. So it was kind of one of those potential picks later. Right. Well, I think you know pro- part of the problem why they thought it was a reach is because he didn't really have a dominant season. And he only yeah. had one season at Stanford. Yeah. I mean, Stanford's not one of those places that you're going to probably be playing all four years at anymore because they just don't have the the uh, Mike Montgomery-style coach that's going to be there all that mm. time. Yeah. Like, gone through a lot of coaches since Mike Montgomery left to go to Golden State back in the day. Right. <coughs> yep. So. Okay, so we go to number 11, and, um, you know, by – by Memphis making that pick, that left the door open for uh, the Charlotte Hornets, 33 and 39 last season. Last uh, playoff appearance was the 15 16 season. They lost the Eastern Conference uh, first round game with uh, Kimba Walker, was on that team, and also Michael Kid Gilchrist from Kentucky and also from New Jersey. But anyway, so, you know, so this opened it up for Charlotte. They had a chance to get this guy, and they took him, James Booknight from Connecticut, right? So that kind of left. James Booknight sitting right there for Charlotte. Yeah, and it's a lot of people are trying to say that Booknight might be like the the next coming of a Michael Jordan type in terms of how he is with the ball as yeah. a potential scorer and the ability to uh, fill up the court up and down with uh, his abilities with, with his first step on a shot or a drive or his step on a on defense. Yep. Yep. Um, yeah. Shot 30. He's going, he's going to a team that is on Michael Jordan, so it's like going to be a comparison to that. 
Right, so he's going to be there with LaMelo Ball. Yeah, so he won't have to necessarily be the ball handler, but right. even to be, he could be for sure. That's, that's right. Um, shot just 32% on threes last season. There hasn't been a lot of fantastic shooters in these first few picks, though, huh? Not really, but I think a lot of the teams were not looking so much at shooting ability yeah. as they were big bodies. That's right. Big bodies, that's right. And, um, you know, it's going to help on defense a little bit when these guys penetrate down the lane to have those big bodies who can get in there and rebound and, you know, and, and be disruptive underneath. So, James Booknight goes to... Charlotte, right. So now we go to number 12. 12 pick was San Antonio, 33-39. and 39. Last uh, playoff appearance was the 18-19 season where they lost the Western Conference uh, first round. And um, they selected Joshua Primo from Alabama. And what do you think of this pick? I'm saying this is one of them, <laughs> if San Antonio was able to, they could store him at the G League for a while and just let yeah. him develop. Right. Like he... He's one of those that should have stayed at Bama, but he just he wanted to chase the money and knew after that one year, that's yeah. about the only he was going to be really darting for was money. Right, because, because he didn't we, have the numbers at all. So no, I think this one is more of a developmental pick. And we all know that the Crimson Tide had a great season last year, so he he was trying to push that envelope, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, when you when you come out of nowhere to win the SEC title, and what's normally the thing conference yep averaging down right averaging eight points a game and he gets selected um 12th in the draft um looked overmatched defensively and was erratic the scouts are saying so um we'll see what happens with this pick this is going to be one of those questionable picks for san antonio but you know what things work out for san antonio yeah it usually does it's also just a matter at this point too just pop a visual left in himself right. to be able to get some of these players to plug it to their bubbles. Yep. All right, so we go to number 13th pick. It was the uh, Indiana Pacers. They were 34-38 and 38 last season. Last playoff appearance was the 19th season uh, when they lost the Eastern Conference, uh, it lost Eastern Conference first round series. And um, they selected Chris Duarte from Oregon. Who? Yeah. Yeah. That one for me just seemed like it was kind of a strange pick, but yeah. based on the fact that Oregon is always known for lighting it up from three and just putting points up on the board, it's like Indiana's always looking for that next big thing to be the new regime that can shoot from pretty much anywhere. Right. That's what they're kind of hoping with Duarte. Yep. And uh, some say it was a reach for them, too. There was other people that were better than, than Duarte that were available. Um, he averaged those 17 points a game, five rebounds in the season, uh, senior season for the Ducks. Um, he's 24 years old, but, you know, that's still young, right? <laughs> so to speak. I mean, yeah. but it was 24 in the sense that he spent two years in junior college, so he was developing parts of his game to get himself up to the Division One level or to the NCAA level for basketball. Yep. So he was probably under under expectations coming out of high school. So you figure go two years at uh, JC and see what I can do. Right. Number 14th went to Golden State Warriors. Again, another pick for the Warriors. And they selected Moses Moody from Arkansas. 6'6 guard. Was a first-team All-SEC player as a freshman for Arkansas last season. And we know that Arkansas had a pretty good year. He averaged 16 and a half a game. 16, 
16.8 points a game, 5.8 rebounds in 32 games. SEC Freshman of the Year while helping the Razorbacks reach the Elite Eight and uh, one of the best teams they've had in a long time since Nolan Richardson, right? Yeah. I mean, Arkansas came out of nowhere, but it was also a rather down year for most of the SEC. And when Kentucky's not basically (laughs) undefeated through most of the SEC season and Florida's not playing up to their strengths for the most part and uh, Vanderbilt was kind of on the up and up and some of the other teams that normally kind of play fodder were all of a sudden being more of a team to watch in the SEC instead of just oh they're always going to finish in in last place or somewhere closer to the bottom yep yeah all right so we go to number 15 pick it went to the Washington Wizards chat and I'm going to let you take this guy this one, everybody kind of went, yep, this seems like a good spot to go because of the fact that it's just going to be the body that's going to put him in the right spot. And he's yeah. going to be a shooter for him and do all the things that he was doing, and that's Corey Kispert out of Gonzaga. I mean, he's a six seven guy. He spent all four years at Gonzaga. Had a career 40, almost 41% shooting percentage from three, and he shot 44% in his senior season. Average about eighteen point six points a game, was nineteen a game. It's one of those guys that spent a lot of a lot more time being on the inside. Thought whoever was on the perimeter couldn't get the shot. They'd always be able to find Kispert underneath to get that easy two points. Right. And then if you perimeter, you'd always be able to be found to get that shot too. Yep. And he he's got the the quick release that you always want to have, and and a guy that's going to be a good strong shooting forward in the NBA because he can find his open spots. He's not afraid to drive gets to the rim, um, probably won't be too much of a perimeter defender, but he'll find passing lanes that he can get steals and deflections and kind of start the fast breaks with. Yeah, I mean, he, he's not going to be able to create his own shot, right? No, he's not that type right? but he'll, he'll find ways to get to where his shot's going to be right. or finding other people to take their shots. Kyle Korver, what do you think? Better or worse? Um, considering Corver <laughs> was more of a three-point specialist, I'm going to say that Kispert's probably going to be a little better than that. Yeah. Yep. We'll see what he's going to do on the defensive end. And I'll tell you one thing, in college, he drove he drove down the lane a couple, you know, he would do that, but I don't think he's going to be able to do that in the NBA. Probably not as much and be able to get the foul calls like he did at Gonzaga, just because of the fact that he, it was Corey Kispert, it was a Gonzaga. Yeah. He was just because right With it's, J- it's, it's the games against Pepperdine and Loyola Marymount where you could just drive on the inside and, and put their top two uh, big men on the bench for most of the game because of foul trouble yeah with Jake with Jalen Suggs drafted fifth and Corey Kispert drafted 15th and marked the first time in Gonzaga history they had two players drafted in the first 15 picks of the same draft in the common draft era since 1966. And uh, didn't know that, but they could have maybe had three if Drew Timmy would have came out. Quite possibly. Made the better decision to stay in school. He just yeah. has something to work on, and Gonzaga would be the better spot to work on it than being on the bench at the NBA level or in the G League, where he's basically playing the Sound Pro All-Stars. That's right, that's right. And... Uh, Tough break there against Baylor in the NCAA Finals for both of those guys. Um, played, yeah. played so well during the season, but were just, you know, the first half of that NCAA championship game, Baylor just blitzed them. 
they hadn't seen a team like Baylor all season, and it no. showed. No. Okay, so we're halfway done. We'll keep going. 16th pick goes to the Houston Rockets. And uh, they went far away for this pick, didn't they? They sure did. I'd never heard of this guy until I saw him in the uh, best available list prior to when he was picked. Yeah, I think I got his name down, Chad. It's Alperin Shengun from Turkey. It was close. I didn't really hear a good uh, pronunciation of how it was supposed to be during the broadcast. So Alperin Shengun. Yeah, yeah, this was added. The pick for Houston originally was an Oklahoma City Thunder pick, so it was something that they, they acquired in a trade. Right. And this is a guy that's playing in the Turkish Pro League, right? Yeah, so he wasn't coming in having never really experienced basketball. He was playing in one of the top Turkish Pro Leagues. Right. So you really can't, you know, 19 points, 8 rebounds, all that stuff. You know, you take it tongue-in-cheek a little bit, don't you? Yeah, I mean, especially with the way that... that uh, teams might have played defense in Turkey compared to how they play in the NBA or they play in America. It might have been that with his height, he could have dominated the inside, especially when he was shooting 63% from the field. Right. Yep. So uh, we'll see how he does for Houston and and who knows with those guys. You know, it's either, it seems like it's feast or famine with uh, foreign players. Yeah. I mean, you're basically kind of going based on what the tape shows and yeah. As we've seen with some players in the past, when it comes to their, their foreign tape, it's like, oh, this is playing against some of the crappier teams. Yep. They get to the NBA, and it's like, oh, we picked this guy just based on potential, and he has none. Right. So we're at the 17th pick. It's the New Orleans Pelicans from the Memphis Grizzlies, and they select uh, Trey Murphy, right? The third from Virginia. Yeah. I mean, th- this is one of those guys that on the team with that uh, remember they won the, the national championship back yep. in 2019 yeah yeah and he had a lot of up and up that he he worked with and he got there really well in the time in Virginia right right he averaged uh, only 11 points a game for Virginia but you know what Virginia didn't score points right right I mean Virginia struggled last year to score any because they just didn't have shooters. And now that I'm looking at your note here, I'm realizing the fact that Murphy was on that was not on that championship team. He was at Rice before that. So okay. he might have been okay. a grad transfer that moved yeah. up. Yeah. Six ninety has great size for a three point shooting wing, but he's gotta knock him down and that's the key thing. And then maybe that opens it up uh what I was you know, for, for Zion Williamson a little bit if this guy could hit those shots from outside. Yeah. Or it could be the case that he takes the shot and Williamson can just kind of be under the rim all the time if they're both in at the same yeah, time. Yeah. Be the other way around. Yeah. That's It'll true. Be on the inside. Yep. Number 18 goes to Oklahoma City, Thunder, and they select a Trey Mann out of Florida. Mann led the Gators with 16 points a game and was the team's second leading rebounder at five rebounds a game. Shot 40% from three, which is good. And, uh, you know, this guy may this guy may have been underdrafted. That's quite possible, but I think a lot of the other teams were looking at needing something more on the inside. Yeah. And not so much a shooter. Yeah. Yep. Trey Mann is the first player drafted from Florida in the first round since Bradley Beal was taken third overall in uh, 2012. 
So Florida is back, you know, in the first round with a player here. So we'll keep it going. We're at number 19, Charlotte Hornets from the New York Knicks. Um, and they select Kai Jones from Texas. Um, they drafted him as a poten potential scorer. But he, he averaged almost a block a game in, ju in just 22 nine minutes per game. Jones shot 58% from the field, including 38% from three-pointers. So pretty interesting guy. He's got a little bit of an inside game, which is mostly dunks, but he can hit the three, and he can defend. Yeah, he's going to be one of those that, for the Hornets especially, is going to be a developmental pick. He's yeah. going to be able to take time to, to work on his game and get to where he needs to be at the NBA level. Um, yeah. They're not expect as much out of him as they will uh, who they selected earlier in the draft with uh, who they have then uh, boot night. They're not going right. to expect near as much because this one's going to be the type of guy that he's going to be a key piece, but he's not going to be the type that they build the team around right away. Yeah. I could see that. They're going to, yeah, they'll work him in. Number 20, the Atlanta Hawks. Um, the Atlanta Hawks were 41 and 31 last year, lost the Eastern Conference Finals to the Bucks. They had a great season with Trey Young over there and, and the rest of the guys. But, uh, you know, they're picking 20 here. And I thought this was a little bit of a reach, right? We've seen some, you know, Duke has a history, so to speak, of having, having great college players, but not so great NBA players. Well, here's a guy that wasn't even such a great college player, Jalen Johnson. I think his big expectation was that he was going to be a big thing for the fans, and with there being no fans at Cameron Indoor, he didn't have anything to really build off of. Like, he needed the energy of the yeah, fans team yeah. game and uh, rooting for him to take that shot, and he just didn't have it. That's probably what helped him in high school was the fact that he had the crowd on his side and always in his favor to be able to take the shot whenever and to be, to be that impressive. But when he yeah. got to do fans around and he just was not the number one guy there. And Krzyzewski made sure he knew about it. It kind of hindered what he was able to do. Yeah. Or what he yeah. That's a good point because this guy was athletic and uh, could do some, you know, not as well, but could do some of the things to get the Cameron crazies going with some dunks and some uh, fast break dunks and all that stuff, right? Yeah. I mean, when you look at Duke last year, they, they lost, what was it, three games in a row in December two of them to Big Ten teams. That doesn't normally happen to Duke. They're usually maybe 13-1 and one or 14-0 so, or and 0 going into ACC play because all these made-for-TV tournaments that they're in with ESPN and the ACC Big Ten Challenge and things like that. But they this year, I think they had a couple players they expected to be there that sat out the season or they, they decided not to go to school right away. Yep, yep. Averaged 11 points in his only season. I believe, well, let's see, he averaged, well, he played just 13 games, and he averaged uh, 11 points a game and um, six rebounds a game. So we'll see. We'll see what happens with Jalen John. I don't. I just don't know. I don't know if this guy's even going to make any kind of impact with Atlanta, considering, I don't know, they're pretty set right now in Atlanta. Yeah, they, that might be one that they choose to store at their G League team for yeah. a while and just get him some game action. Right. I mean, he played games and only eight of them were starts. So he doesn't really have a, a good sample size at the college level to really work with. Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, Number, we'll go to the 21st pick. It belonged to the Los Angeles Clippers. Clippers were 47-25 and 25 last year. Lost the Western Conference Finals this year. And um, 
they got their pick from the New York Knicks, and they selected Keon Johnson from Tennessee. And they say the guy's a great athlete. They say he can get to the rim. He can finish with explosive dunks. Um, but he shoots, you know, he shot 27% from three, so that's not his game. 11 points a game. So this guy's more of a, more of a underneath, you know, under the basket kind of guy on both ends, right? Yeah, he should be more under the basket, but I think he's going to try to make himself be more out around the perimeter and everything. But the other thing we're going to be looking at, too, is Keon Johnson only played one season with Tennessee. So it's like he's going to be, what, about 19 or 20 by the time he gets there? Yeah. He might be at a stash at the G League if you can. Otherwise, he's going to be seeing a lot of time coming off the bench for the Clippers, and that might hinder his confidence a bit. But it's just one of those things that he needs to have a good sit-down talk with the coaching staff and say, what's my role supposed to be for this year so that I can kind of really build into what I'm going to be in the future. Yep, yep. So we go to the number 22 pick, Washington Wizards from the Los Angeles Lakers. And finally, we have a draft pick for John Calipari, Isaiah Jackson from Kentucky. It's very rare that you haven't seen three or four Kentucky players drafted before right. this draft, and they get one. Yeah. Real. But it just shows just what their kind of season was last year. Right. When they only have one draft pick in the first round. Maybe John Calipari didn't have a good year recruiting. That, or he, a lot of it may have also been that some of his players elected not to go to school because they just weren't comfortable with everything COVID-related and uh, just not having that, knowing there wouldn't be a fan base around. And when the season would start, they didn't want to be seeing their development get mm-hmm. hindered going into the NBA. Yep. They hindered it themselves in some ways by trying to say that they were better than what they thought. Yeah. They say this guy's got a motor in the open court, very athletic, like a lot of Kentucky players. Um, yeah. 25 games he played, 8.6 rebounds. 12th consecutive draft with a Kentucky player taken in the first round. So at least they did have a first-round pick. Not as high as most years, but they still had one. <laughs> I mean, to go 22 picks. Yeah. You get one from Kentucky is saying what kind of a year they really had. Yes, I agree. Because usually, you know, if they're having a good year, you'd see three go. Yeah, and, they and like their entire recruiting class of the top freshmen would be gone. Yep. Going to the NBA. Yep. All right, with the 23rd pick, the Houston Rockets are up again. And they stayed international with Usman Garuba from Madrid, Spain. One yeah, of the, I think yeah. the Rockets are trying to... Uh, develop some foreign big men yeah. because they're kind of, that a lot of the, the college level guys here in the States, they don't have the kind of body that they need to be coming into the NBA with because they're always trying to play on the perimeter instead of having that 6'8", like 275 type body that's built to be a brick house on the inside. Right, right. He's 6'8". They say he can run the floor, block shots. He's a scorer in the paint, but we'll see what happens with that in the NBA one day. Um, but he's one of the top young players in Spain, and he was named uh, EuroLeague's 2021 Rising Star. So, and uh, so there, there's Houston, and they come back with the next pick again, right? Mm-hmm. Right. This time, pick 24, Josh Christopher from Arizona State. Um, last season, they say he underachieved. He played 17 games, averaged 14 points, four rebounds in his only season. Um, in Tempe with Arizona State. Missed the last 11 games of the season with a back injury. 
he sustained in, in a February 11th game against Oregon. Um, so there's another pick, but you know, sometimes you, sometimes, I don't know, maybe you trade a couple picks. They had so many. Yeah. I mean, this probably would have been a good one for them to trade, but a lot of the teams were not really looking for anything too exciting in the first round this year because there just wasn't enough of a sample size for some of the guys that some of the teams probably could have traded up to the first round for. Right. That's right. So we go to pick 25. The New York Knicks have the pick from the L.A. Clippers. Uh, the New York Knicks, believe it or not, last year, 41-31, and 31, lost the Eastern Conference first-round uh, matchup in this year's playoffs, but they got into the playoffs. You can't say that about all Knicks teams. But uh, Knicks fans and some of the media weren't happy with this pick. Quentin Grimes from Houston. Although, you know, Houston was a – all those guys on Houston can play defense last season, though, huh? Yeah, they definitely could, but I think they were uh, Conference USA or no American Athletic Conference, and that conference is still kind of up in the air as to what they really are. They haven't really found their uh, defined idea right. of what they're supposed to be. Right. Yep. The Knicks want wanted in it, you know, but they wanted a guy that can score. So he averaged 17 points a game. He likes to shoot the three, um, and he shot it well last season, and he can defend. Right. So the Knicks think they have someone here, but. Uh, We'll see. <laughs> yeah, and a lot of people thought that he was limited last year based on what he had coming out of high school, but in a, in a system like what he was with in, in uh, Calvin Sampson, he, uh, he was going to start out as a role player and build into what he was going to become, not just become what he wanted to be. Yeah. Right. Sampson, the whole team to win games, not just one or two players. Yep. And, Saw that as Houston kept kept going in the NCAA tournament last year. Yep, it was definitely a so, team, right? Yeah, but he's going to be undersized in a lot of cases, but he's going to develop into what he's going to become. So he knows that his role for a while is going to just be learning the game and and taking your shots when you can get them. Yep. But eventually, you're um, our our guy to to hit shots when we need you to. Yep. Quentin Grimes is the first player drafted in the first round out of Houston, Houston since Greg Cadillac Anderson in 1987. So that's a long time ago. And, and Houston's had a lot of great college basketball players, the Houston Cougars. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. And this is the first one, first first rounder since uh, Greg Anderson in, 80, in 1987. So we'll see. Maybe they'll get another one next year, um, maybe late in the first round. Pick number 26, the Denver Nuggets. The Denver Nuggets were 47-25 and 25 and lost the Western Conference Series this year. I thought they had a chance to go to the NBA Finals Denver this year, um, but came up a little short, but there's always next year, right? So they picked Nashon Bones Highland out of VCU. It was a kind of a surprise pick, but I think they were looking for somebody that's got the potential to grow and didn't have to be rushed right into a top spot. Right. So maybe a good for them. Yep. Highland has the potential, they say, to become an NBA star after playing under the spotlight uh, with a mid-major program at VCU. He improved his scoring this last season, at, you know. So, we'll see. Number, you know, pick number 26. I mean, you could probably dive into the second round and find a couple of guys maybe a little bit more impressive than Bones Highland, but uh no, that was Denver's pick. So, Denver, uh, you know, maybe they think Denver Denver needed a little bit, little bit 
of uh, you know a little bit of a, a rising star as opposed to just a, a so-so pick. They're taking a chance yeah. with them. Maybe they'll hit pay dirt. Maybe they'll hit and, gold, right? The Denver Nuggets. That's quite possible. I mean, they may also have been looking at the fact that he bumped, he bumped himself up about ten points from one year to the next on yeah. average. Yeah. That he's somebody that's a rising star, but somebody that he's going to know that he's going to take time to get where he's going to be instead of just I'm expected to be at this level now but I'll put the work in and I'll get there in a couple of years when you really need me most. Right. All right, so number 27 is the Brooklyn Nets, 48-24 last year. Lost the Eastern Conference semi, semi uh, semis this year, and, of course, they had James Harden again, right? Yep. Still searching for an NBA championship, James Harden. Everybody's favorite guy to say, oh, you went to that team? Well, we'll see how they pan out. Yeah. Maybe James Harden... And Chris Paul have to go to L.A. together. Possible. Then they can have Paul, they can have Harden, they can have LeBron, A.D., and Russell Westbrook. And if they can't win with those guys, they'll never win. Well, the other thought is, is the NBA would have to change the gap there because of the amount of money involved. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, that would be really something if they, if they had all of those guys and they couldn't win, huh? Yeah, it'd be like the first... 200 million or whatever it is roster and yeah. they couldn't win the title. Right. A little bit like the Olympic team. Sort of, yeah. Yeah. We'll see what happens to them. All right. The Brooklyn Nets are picking 27th and uh, they selected Cam Thomas out of LSU. Uh, he, they say he's a scorer and he's going to be part of the Brooklyn's rotation off the bench, right? Yeah. Brooklyn's got too many people that need the ball to, to <laughs> keep their yeah. Yeah. He goes and so Cam Thomas will probably be one of those guys that he's going to spend the first couple of years just coming off the bench, getting minutes when uh, right when some of the guys like Durant and whatnot need need uh, a breath. Yeah, between Irving, Durant, and Harden, there's not they're going to need another. They're going to need four basketballs. Yeah, I mean Cam Thomas might be a better a better choice this year to be Steve Nash's uh, clipboard carrier. Right. That's right. Number 28, Philadelphia 76ers. Last year, 49-23, and 23, another disappointing end to their season. Ben Simmons went a little south in, the, in that Eastern Conference series. And um, they went for Jaden Springer under the University of Tennessee. So another Tennessee guy, huh? Yeah, Tennessee had quite the year last year to, to work with because of the fact that so much of the SEC was down. Yeah. Yeah, it was. He led the Volunteers in scoring 12 points a game, ranked seventh in the SEC in assists, and also defended well. 19 years old, so he has a lot of time to develop, huh? Yeah, I mean, he's one of those guys that wouldn't have benefited from staying in Tennessee for another year or two, but with the unknowns about COVID and the unknowns about things at Tennessee, with what was going to be coming back at the other schools and how they were going to be, he basically felt it was time to get away from it and with the way the rules are, he can do that. So Right, right. They'll probably, they'll probably see a lot of time at whatever uh, Philadelphia's uh, G League team will be this year. Just yep. working on things in his game to get him to improve. Yep. All right, so that takes us to the number 29th pick. And once again, it's Brooklyn from the Phoenix Suns. And they selected Dayron Sharp from North Carolina. This is a big guy. He's six foot eleven. Spent only one season with the Tar Heels. 9.7 rebounds. In 19 minutes, strong skill set to work with. He's got good hands, they say, solid passer, and relentless rebounder. 
So they're, they're making it sound like this guy could do everything. but uh, So I don't know. We'll find out. Maybe there's a lot of upside with him. There's probably going to be some upside, and it would have to be found in the G League first. Otherwise, he doesn't have it in the NBA. See what his hands are like catching a football and see if the Jets need a tight end. Right. <laughs> the, the Jets need something, that's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And the last pick, right? We finally got to the last pick, and it was the Utah Jazz who were 52-20 and 20 last year, lost the Western Conference Series uh, this season um, to the Phoenix Suns. And Houston went and took Santi Aldama from Loyola. Not, not Loyola, Chicago, but Loyola. No. And not, not uh, Loyola out in the um, Loyola, Ma- Loyola Marymount back in the, uh, what are they, in the WCC. West Coast Conference, yeah, yeah. they're in with Dagan and St. Mary's but, and all them. Right, no. this is Loyola of Maryland, huh? Yeah, this was one that it came really out of the dark, but I think with it being the 30th pick, and it, it ended up being one that they traded off. Yeah, yeah. It went from the Jazz to the Grizzlies, so it, it, as we'll see in the future uh, picks that we're going to talk about with some of the second rounders, um, some of these guys were actually picked by other teams, and traded to other teams for uh, future picks or for opportunities later in the draft. Yeah, yep. So before, like last, yeah, this guy yeah. played in in Spain's junior national team before he went to Loyola. Yeah, like when we're talking about these these traded picks. Like Brooklyn didn't actually pick De'Aaron Sharp. The Suns did and traded him to the to the Nets. So. We, we yeah. saw a lot of players late in the round and getting traded other places. So Right, right. So so in the second round, so that ends the first round. So we'll talk briefly here about the second round. In the second round, you usually see more college guys taking that. Like the names seem to be somewhat more familiar to the average college, the average basketball fan, the average college basketball fan, right? Pretty much. Uh, like they, they were specific role player schools that, long enough to get their name built up and it's like well we should at least give them the, the respect to pick them right right and and who did who do you like here is there a name or two that uh guys that were taking the second round that you see some upside with i'm definitely gonna go with like a jared butler to utah yeah because there's a possibility with that that he could really grow there and have a good career because utah doesn't take top names and make the best out of what they have with that they take what what best players they can find later to use to build um and then you've got some like isaiah livers from michigan he was one that he had a good career at michigan but he just was missing a little something to keep him in the first round even the same with the joe Wees camp from iowa who went to san antonio in between those two picks i've talked about he's going to be one that if san antonio uses him it'll be in like that that's role player yeah yeah or where it's going to do something or he's going to just kind of kill some minutes for a player that needs a breath or two um the one that i was really surprised by was the bulls sticking with the illinois product in io Desumu. yeah i mean he he's a guy that i kind of wish would have stayed in illinois one more year just to see what he could have done yeah and i've kept kofi kingston there or not mm-hmm. kofi kingston kofi coburn Right, right, the big dude, my, the big guy, yeah. Um, but had those two stayed, and they're, 
I'm hearing there's some inner turmoil going on in Illinois with Brad Underwood, so we'll see what happens with that. But if those two had stayed, what Illinois could have been as a power in the Big Ten this coming season. But I think they both kind of realize it's kind of time to move on because the Big Ten's not what it was going to be next year if we stuck around. So we need to get out while the getting out's good. Right, right. All right, man. Well, that, that wraps it up, huh? We got through yeah. it. The NBA draft that we talked a little yeah. bit in the beginning about. about yeah, I don't know uh, we hadn't gotten to yet in terms of a name. Who? Everybody was talking about this particular guy all season long as being one of the top draft picks. But it ended up going number 52 to the Detroit Pistons. Oh, that's right. Luca Garza. Huh? Luca Garza of Iowa, the Naismith winner. He was the big name all season long. Yep. Had an early out the NCAA tournament, but um, the biggest problem with why he didn't make it in the first round was he was a defensive liability. He's this big seven foot body that can score, but he can't stop somebody from getting inside. Yeah, well, and, there, there had to, that had to be it because you know he basically, like you said, he was on the cover of all magazines, right, beginning of the year. Yeah, he was everybody's talk about. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you I, I'm glad you caught that because I didn't want to talk to talk about Luca Garza and and I was surprised. Yeah, they went out early in the NCAA tournament. That certainly didn't help, and and that really is a cost. We've seen this before. Some guys need to have, you know, we see guys taken out of uh, di- you know the di- different leagues, and we see guys taken from different countries. But a guy like Luca Garza, I mean, he could have made if he could have made some hay in the NCAA tournament. He he could have got in that first round. Yeah. When all is said and done, he's probably in the right spot in the second round. Could have gone a little higher if some team wanted to take a risk if his defense was a little better. But based on that defensive inability to stop somebody getting on the inside, yeah. and especially when it's a big, strong guy in the NBA, yep. your last much longer. But he'll he'll find a career overseas for sure. I think. Right, he should. Yeah, right, with the size he's got too, and in, in the game he has. Yep. And the, the other one that I'm really interested to see if he makes it out of the second round was uh, to the Philadelphia 76ers, Western Kentucky's Charles Bassey. Oh, this yeah. This guy was huge for oh, yeah. Bay ranks. I mean, you saw him play a couple times in person when, when Valpo would play Western Kentucky. Yeah, yeah. And he just dominated against us. I mean, I, listening to Todd Eichow talk about him, it's like this guy – except for the fact that he went to Western Kentucky and that conference is not very strong, just getting drafted, it's it's just like when Alec Peters got his name called. Yep. He's going to get his taste, but he's going to spend a lot more time down in the G League scheme and just kind of being a, a role filler down there mm-hmm. and hopefully working his way up to where he's going to be on somebody's roster in the NBA. Yep, yeah. It, that's definitely a guy to, to watch. It's a guy to root for, too, though, you know? Yeah. We kind of root for those kind of guys that come from a school like Western Kentucky and to make it in the NBA. So, Chad, it has been a great hour and a half. It was, it was a fun show, for sure. I mean, we talked about a lot of things to some of these players that we want to see happen yep. with some of the teams they're getting on to. And hopefully it'll be something that really kind of gets me back into watching more NBA games than I usually do. Yep, yep. And, uh, yeah, I mean – and again, I mean, if you didn't watch, if you didn't watch a lot of NBA basketball during the season, but had a chance to watch that that series with Phoenix and Milwaukee, it really gave you a lot of hope as an NBA fan for, for the people who are not watching it. Say, hey, come out and watch this because what Giannis did 
was something, you know, it was an amazing performance by Giannis, especially in the last game. Yeah, I mean, he struggled the first couple of games, but he knew what he needed to do to get back into it and get, keep his team in it. Otherwise, Phoenix could have run away with that title. Yep, and Devin Booker was amazing, too, to watch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think what was refreshing is we didn't have, I mean, you know, no knock to LeBron, okay, but, you know, we are a little sick of seeing LeBron in the finals, right? Yeah, between LeBron and some of the other guys that have been in there off and on throughout the years, it was time to see somebody new and better blood yeah. in terms of what the future of the NBA is going to be like. Because LeBron's not going to be there for 27 years. Right, and this was a win against this was a win against forum shopping. Yes. And Giannis even said it himself after it was over. He said, hey, I didn't have to go somewhere else. I stayed in Milwaukee and won a championship. Yeah, I mean, there, there was a lot of talk about the fact that Back when he was a free agent and could have left Milwaukee, he's like, I see there's potential here. We we just need to get a couple of players in. I'm going to stay here and make that happen. Right, and that's, and that's refreshing. And then you got Chris Paul running all over the place now, right, trying to find a, a team where he can yeah. win. So, yeah. yeah. All Otherwise, right. Be doing State Farm commercials for the rest of his life. His <laughs> yeah. Well, when the basketball stops, the State Farm commercials stop too. Usually do, yeah. Yeah. So he has even more incentive to keep playing. Or, or he'll become the next, uh, like, not like the next agent, and he'll uh, up in the commercials anyway. Right. Right. Yep. All right, Chad. Well, again, fantastic, and uh, always enjoy doing the podcast with you. These are fun. I mean, we we have good talk about the things that a lot of people don't always touch on, or they overanalyze it, and we just hit it in the right spot. That's right. All right. Well, thanks again, and uh, Chad, I'm sure you'll be back. We'll have you back on on another Fan Man podcast. Oh, for sure. I'm looking forward to college football season coming up, because I know we got a couple of plans for that one. Yep, for sure, and we're going to get that going pretty soon. Yep, I'm, I'm excited for it. It's going to be a good season this year. Yep. All right, Chad, take care. You too. We'll talk soon. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Fan Man Podcast. You can catch the Fan Man Podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and most other platforms. Thanks again for listening to the podcast. Check out our Fan Man Twitter page at the underscore fan underscore man and tell me what you think. (laughs) 